Year, everyone. We had a Happy New Year episode last week, but you wasn't here, being all lazy. Uh, no, I had to tell everyone a Happy New Year because, like you said, I wasn't here. So this is my Happy New Year to everyone. And we had to have some sort of intro. <sighs> Podcast, where we honor God and the things he does. With your host, Hunter, Jessica, Finn, and Dina. Welcome to the Altered Podcast, where we honor God and the things that he does. And where everybody thinks that the size before the intro are fake, but they're actually real. (laughs) (laughs) You like them. I know you really missed having me last week. It was the best episode we've ever had. (laughs) What? I thoroughly disagree. (laughs) I think that if we look at our statistics on Anchor, that would be considered false. No, but still the best podcast we've ever had. You're still not on. (laughs) Now, speaking of people not being on... Your lovely wife is not with us tonight, and we're sad. She's in bed. She is. She has to work. Hey, she's living up to her name. Naps through the show. (laughs) Yep. Yep. That's it. So, I, well, I thought I muted you, watch. (laughs) Come on, guys. Well, my phone, I would just like to point out, muted. My phone, muted. My watch, not muted. Uh, (laughs) Well, I'm Hunter. We're here with Ben and Dina, as you heard in the intro. We're going to be talking about Samaritan. Mm -hmm. Good or despised. Oh, bum, bum, bum. Bum, 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 So that is fa- <laughs> So that is found in Luke chapter 10. If you had a hard time finding it like I did, um, took me forever. It is. But before we get there, we got some stuff we got to talk about. Well, I know, but I want to give people a chance to open up their Bibles. Oh. But if they're driving, please don't open up your Bibles. You might die. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll read it to you. Don't worry. So we got to start with a new segment that is no longer new because we've been doing it a couple times now. What did God do for us this week? So, Hunter, start us off. What did God do for you this week? Hmm. <laughs> you know, it was a pretty chill week. Mm-hmm. But I think God just kept uh, was able to keep me faithful in my Bible study and prayer. Cool. That's that's very good because that's sometimes that's a challenge, especially going back to work from the holidays. That's true, and all that good stuff. So I was, oh, I got something else. What you got? So, our we're working at Lockheed Martin. They work on aircraft, so they've been kind of behind on schedule, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the Bible study I've done there is kind of dwindled. It was like it went from like twelve people to like two. Oh wow! Because everybody's just like super busy. Mm-hmm. Kind of like looked like Santa's workshop in there. Mm. But now, after the holidays is kind of over, it's grown back up to like 15. Wow, that's like, awesome. So I, got, I was even more in there than I did before. Nice. So, well, congrats, man. That's cool. Yeah. Dude, I'm not a part of your Bible study because I don't work at Lockheed Martin. But um, <laughs> Going through First Timothy. It's super cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I just want to say, too, that sometimes whenever you have Bible studies or small groups, different things like that, sometimes life just gets really busy. And I think sometimes the enemy uses that as times to try to get us to be discouraged about something like that. But then God can take it. And, I mean, you have 15 people now where you had 12 before. Yeah, and it was a really good break because you get kind of burnt out. Because we go through, man, it's insane. Because, like, we go through a chapter of the Bible a day. Right. So it's like we've busted out Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Hebrews, Acts, 
Romans. That was a book right there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. We did Genesis, mm. Revelation. Every day. Every day. Wow. Monday, well, Monday through Thursday. Yeah, but I mean still. Right, every day. A chapter. So we, we bust out these things. So that was all last year. We got those books done. Wow. Um, in the calendar year. So this year we're going through, first, I'm trying to get through the smaller epistles, like First Timothy, Second Timothy, hmm. uh, the First Peter, and then First Peter, Second Peter, kind of go through those. Cool. And Try to dive into the Old Testament with them because they're still, they're still thinking on the shallow level. And I know there's like four or five of them that listen to this. So sorry about that. But, <laughs> but it's not that we don't like it. Yeah, but it's just going deep. Like Hebrews was a real challenge for right. them because I have to put my thinking cap on. Yeah, and I've read it a thousand times. Yeah, no, I love Hebrews, man. And Romans was tough. Oh, that's yeah. sixteen. That's sixteen chapters of getting your brain smacked. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, historically, you know, like whether you're a believer or not. Um, you know, the big smart scholarly people say that it is one of the best, um, oh shoot, what is it called? Not arguments, but basically it's like one of the best arguments, um, out there, like that, that uses logic and follows a logical pattern and stuff. So anyway, it's pretty cool. What? The book of Romans. Okay. Cause like we didn't clarify. Look, look, we, oh, right. we said Hebrews and Romans really fast. So I was like, yeah. which one are you talking about? Yeah. The book of Romans. It's, it's, yes. um, oh, what is the word? It's driving me crazy. Anyway. Yeah. Ben, what has God done this week? Um, so this week, uh, my uncle passed away, um, which was rough. Uh, it, well, actually, he actually passed away last week, um, from, uh, now that I think about it. But we had the funeral this week, um, and uh, I preached it. It was it was Thursday this week. We were at a conference, and we'll, we'll get into the conference part of it later, but we were at a conference all this week, and um, I didn't have the time that I wanted to prepare. You know, I... And honestly, even if I did, like sometimes I'd think about it and it would just be one of those things where I didn't really want to do it, right? Um, it's just tough. And uh, and so I get up there to speak and I had one thing planned. Um, there was a, a lady at work. She's one of our principals at one of our schools and I was talking to her and she said, well, you know, the Bible gives you a passage and it says, when people pass away, comfort each other with these words. And I said, which one? And she, she said, First Thessalonians chapter 4. And I was like, you're absolutely right. It does say comfort each other with these words. And so I use that passage. You know, it talks about Jesus coming back one day and and how, you know, we shouldn't be ignorant of the fact that, you know, it's not like people just pass away and that's it. It's, you know, they're coming back with Jesus. And those of us who are still alive on the earth at that time, they don't, we won't precede those who have died already. You know, Bible uses this thing that says falling asleep. So I plan to use that whole passage, and I, and I did. Um, but it was really cool because I, I stood up there and I read the obituary, and I just it was like God's presence just dropped, and I could just I just knew that there was this whole plan laid out for me that I did not have planned. And you know, we talked about you know the paragraph of the obituary, and then uh, likened it to the the paragraph in the Bible, and how the you know the these paragraphs, though they're so small, make up our lives in a lot of ways. Um, and yet they don't. There's so much more to people than just a paragraph in an obituary. And so, and, and the Bible tells us that. And so, <clears throat> man, it was just so good. Um, like God's faithfulness just, like, just hit me in that moment. And when it was over, <laughs> man, it's funny, you know, people walk up to you and they're like, you know, Ben, I'm so proud of you. It's, you know, I've seen all these people, you know, at, at my uncle's funeral that I haven't seen in forever. And, you know, people are walking up to me and they're like, Ben, I'm just so proud of you. Like, it's just so, like, you're such a good preacher. And I'm like, dude, I'm telling you. That was not me. I didn't have half that stuff planned. God just dropped it in my lap in that moment. So, yeah, it was just it was just neat. Like, we always think that we have to, or I always think that we have to be the ones to kind of 
do the work. And it's not all that was that way. God does the work a lot of times, and we just need to show up. Mm-hmm. Dina? So like Ben said, over Christmas break, we went to this SALT conference, and we'll talk more about it in just a minute. But um, for me, it was basically just seeing people's goodness and like the encouragement of that. So um, when we go to SALT, it's... um, So at this conference, it's a group of people who are in Chi Alpha Campus Ministries. And sometimes people think of college students as these snobby, rich kids or whatever that don't want to hang out with people. But they are some of the nicest people that you will ever meet. Um, I even went to this one session and I hadn't had any coffee all day. And this one girl, she was just going to give me like her coffee that she had, you know, like, I don't know. And so whenever we would go eat places, um, they would just be like, I don't know, a group of 20 of them that would just randomly tag along with us. Like, I didn't know who they were, but they just went and had lunch or dinner with us and we got to meet and talk to them. And just, it was such a good time. It was. One of the things in Chi Alpha Circles that they talk about a lot is uh, building a culture of honor. Man, it was so just apparent. This time, I think more than any other salt I've ever been to. Like, we were going around and, you know, a a leader was given a breakout session, for instance, and all of, like, all their students in their small group would show up. Hmm. And they would, like, clap for them, like, standing ovation. Um, didn't matter what they said. Um, <laughs> you know, like, well, I mean, they weren't teaching heresy or anything like no, that. No, but I'm just saying like, they'd be like, hi. Everybody was so encouraging to each other. Yeah. And that was just so nice. Yeah. It was, it was really, it was just super cool. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it was good. Good time. So sadly, I don't, I don't go to this particular conference with you, but you already said what it was. It was SALT. Yeah. So what is SALT? So SALT stands for uh, Student Activity, or Activist, I'm sorry, Student Activist Leadership Training. Is it Activist or Activity? It's Activist. Or act- <laughs> it's, it's the word, it's Activist. So, it? so we are supposed to be activists <laughs> on our my campus. My bad, I think I've been saying it wrong for like 20 years or yeah. something. So it's not what I put on my french fries. It's actually stands for something. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, student activist. It's, it's the intent is that we go and we get leadership training to come back and be... The salt on our campus. Yeah, the salt, salt of the, the light. Salt of the world. You know, Jesus says that salt has lost its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? Well, we don't lose our saltiness because of things like this. Mm-hmm. We go and spend time with other Christian people, be encouraged, come back. And there's so, different salts all across the United States. And it's broken up into different sections based on where your campus is located. For us, we're in the Southeast region. Yep. At one point we were in the Great Lakes region, but now we're in the Southeast. So, um, but I've never heard a student walk away saying that they did not have a good time at SALT. SALT is probably one of the best Christian conferences I've ever been to, even as a leader too. Mm. But as a student, it was so much fun because I got to see so many other students who were just like me. You know, they were in college trying to figure out how to be a Christian on campus. Yeah, super cool. So, I mean, we've all been to many Christian conferences and I mean, the ones that the AG put on are amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, they do our, even, even the small things I call a conference, like our uh, council that we just went to in London yeah. earlier, uh, was, was good. We talked about that on the podcast, the together for the gospel is always great. Yeah. So I always hear you guys brag about, so why is it important for Christians to go to conferences like that? Dina, why is that important? <laughs> Well, I think it, one reason it's nice is because, like I had just kind of said, is that it's nice to get together with a group of people who have the same interests as you, because that is very encouraging. And to see and talk to people that are in the same, I don't know, stage of life, maybe going through some of the same challenges that you have, because our goal is to, you know, tell others about Jesus but sometimes we can get into these roadblocks and different stumbles or whatever that um, we need help to overcome. And so sometimes talking to these people, we realize, you know, we're not really alone because mm-hmm. we're built for community. That is one thing that we're supposed to have is community. And so, you know, one easy way for us to um, not have that is to feel like we're so alone that we have to do this whole thing by ourselves and be super independent and blah, 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 blah. But no, like it's okay for us to go and talk to other people and to get help. And so I think that that's always, for me, whenever I go to any Christian conference, I always feel super encouraged because I get to hang out with people who think just like me so to speak. Mm -hmm. It's always encouraging. I think it's really nice too, especially being leaders at our church. Hmm. Like how often do we get to go to church at the time church starts and leave right when church ends and just, and just kind of quote unquote, enjoy the service. Like, you know, just just, being a tender, like most of us bask in the, in the moment of the church service and then leave. Um, it doesn't happen often, but when we go to conferences, that's we're that's what we're doing. We're just attenders. Now salt, I think you always leaders at, but Mm -hmm. you still are getting to listen to the speaker. You're getting to enjoy the worship and things like that. Yep. I'm not the primary leader, which is cool. Right. And so, um, when Mike Dina said, when you're around these like-minded Kentucky word folk, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, we get to really just enjoy and worship God together. And then there's always a message. I've never been to a conference that has never had a message that's touched my heart. Like, mm-hmm. So I'll always bring something back, which is actually what we're going to be talking about in just a minute in Luke chapter 10, a message that they talked about at Salt. Yeah. Um, and that touched Ben's heart. So that's always... It's, just, it's always to always say it's like a gas station for Christians. It refuels them, recharges them, and so they can yeah. take that little piece of fire back to their home church. Yeah, and yeah. hopefully spread that fire around. Yep, yeah. yeah. Um, I got nothing to add. Y'all did so good. I know. Speaking, <laughs> You're speaking of ads, though. Speaking of community. Speaking of all that, we need to. Uh, it's time for an ad for our hosting platform. Um, if you're out there, it was funny at salt. We were talking to the, uh, Southeast Chi Alpha international student director person. That's a title right there. Yeah. He's the guy, his name's Steve Bortner. Steve Bortner is amazing. He's awesome. Shout out to Steve Bortner. Yo, Cause buddy. he says he listens to this. Yay. Yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> but I was he really, he does. Yes. <laughs> he does. I was talking to Steve though. And he was like, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast. It's, you know, it's really good. And, uh, of course it is. Thank you, Steve. Hi, and, Steve. Yeah. And, uh, he said, Hey, I just had some questions about 
how you all do your podcast and how you set things up. And we never did end up get, being able to get together at the conference itself, but we're going to schedule a Zoom pretty soon, and we're going to be talking about some things. And so we sit around a kitchen table. The kitchen table, that's right. And I think they're drinking water, and I'm drinking hot chocolate. Yeah, buddy. And we, man, we just talk about Jesus. We do. <laughs> so, but I think he's going to be starting one soon. Oh, sweet. And I think he does one or started to. I don't know if he started one yet or not, but anyway. And he wants to have the Altered Podcast as a guest. I mean, that would be cool. And so the yes, point Steve, is, you heard that. If, <laughs> if you're out there and you want to start a podcast, you can do so using the same platform we use, which is anchor.fm by Spotify. So at this time, check out our ad, which will tell you a little bit more about that. And we're back from that lovely ad with Dana's lovely voice. Yeah, you know... I think Anchor, I've looked at all of those different kind of platforms, Buzzsprout, things like that. Anchor is the most user-friendly for me because I'm not computer-friendly. <laughs> <laughs> like, it does so. seem to be very straightforward, and that I do appreciate. Because I think sometimes when you try to use some of this, I don't know, social media, whatever, my bobbers, you know. <laughs> it's a technical term. I know, it is. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> and uh, it gets way too confusing. So, okay, so we, you guys were out Salt this week. Uh, you, ben, you had a lot of things going on this week, but you was at Salt, this conference. Yep. What are some takeaways from Salt? Um, this is going to be what the podcast is on, and the main meat of this is going to be Luke chapter 10, but well, what, what are some takeaways that we can get through? Yeah, so uh, number one, I got the chance to attend the African American Leadership Conference. Uh, that was the first thing that we did. We showed up early. I got to play bass for them. That was just an honor and a privilege, man. They, those guys were such good musicians. That's a part of Salt, right? Yeah, it's it's actually the first day of Salt. It's kind of like pre-service, almost. Yeah, it's, pre-conference. Yeah, it's it is the the leadership. Yeah, it's the pre-leadership conference to the leadership conference. <laughs> conference. Um, <laughs> but it's so cool, and it's and it is geared for um, the African American community in Chi Alpha because, you know, they, they want to, to combat some of the things that we see, um, or this is, these were their words, you know, we want to combat some of the things we see in our culture. Um, you know, we want to, we want to raise up leaders because we don't have a whole lot of African American leaders, which is cool. And so, um, you know, it, it was neat that I got to be a part of that. You know, it, it is geared for African Americans yet, um, you know, this white guy got to go and, and, uh, well, anybody's in, invited to go as yeah, a part and, of Chi Alpha. And that's true. And there were, there were, um, people of all different races, you know, that were there and stuff. It was cool. But, um, one of the things that they talked about at that, um, one of the things that kind of struck me was, and I don't want to, I don't, I don't know how to say this and it not sound weird. So I'll just say it. Um, I'm sitting in this conference, you know, this, this African-American leadership part of this conference. And the thing that just sticks out to me, man, is that we're not so different, any of us, from any other person. You know, Jesus is the great equalizer. And, you know, we always say that the, the ground is level. Thank you, Pastor Chris. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Man, I'm sitting in this African-American leadership conference and I'm talking to these people, you know, and, and I got to be a part of their worship team. And, you know, there's all of these great just um, singers and, and this one girl, the, the, the main kind of um, worship leader girl of that, she has a single that just came out. And man, they were just so gracious to me as I was coming in to, to play bass for them, you know, like I'm just some Joe Schmo from nowhere, you know, and, and they were just so honoring and like, 
I got to sit there and listen to the the speaking and and you know it, it's it's amazing that when you think of of you know like the whole conference of salt was about stories right but when you think about our our story you know we have a tendency to put ourselves and put our lens over all of the things that we think about biblically you know we think that Jesus is a a, a white male with flowing blonde hair who looks like a surfer from California you know but he wasn't and where does the gospel go really quickly? If you look at the book of Acts, one of the first places it goes outside of Israel is Africa. Because you have this guy, he's the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, some scholars would say he, he, the word Ethiopia probably doesn't mean he's from the country of Ethiopia, but rather that he is um, of dark skin. Either way, um, doesn't matter. The point is, dude was from Africa. And he takes the gospel back to Africa. Um, and some of our greatest church father scholars, you know, um, Augustine of Hippo was from North Africa, you know, some of that kind of stuff. That was super cool. Um, but just the kind of the takeaway for, for me was, or one of the takeaways from that was we're not so different after all, you know, it, 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 it doesn't matter, you know, what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. What matters is that Jesus changed our lives. Dude. So good. Um, can I kind of piggyback off of that with one of mine? Sure. <clears throat> so one of the many sessions that I went to was with um, Belka Slayman, who is in charge of the Southeast uh, Chi Alpha Diversity Team. Mm-hmm. And her session was really good. Um, like it started with everybody getting into groups of three. And she just started asking what some might consider some tough culture questions, but really they weren't, they weren't tough, but sometimes you feel uncomfortable to talk about them in front of other people mm-hmm. who are different than you. <laughs> but she was talking about how sp- spiritual maturity says that you can have tough conversations, but you don't have to be on the defense about everything that you can sit and you can listen to what other people have to say, Hmm. you know, just so that you can, so that you can understand them. Mm -hmm. You don't have to defend yourself all of the time, Mm -hmm. like so that we can just sit and listen to what other people have to say. Um, That's a good point. Like in our culture, we so often that's, we do that. Like we think that we have to, defend ourselves like we're married to our ideas like and if we're wrong like well then I hate you you know I'm wrong about everything so (laughs) I'm used to it I only laugh because it's true (laughs) 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 but now like yeah I mean in our culture we fight about everything so yeah that's good I'm sorry continue I didn't mean to yeah and then I'll go ahead and and talk about my next thing that I I took away Mm. and because the other takeaway that I have is what you're getting ready to talk about too Mm. so But I really liked the, uh, I don't know if it was a mega session or a mini, I don't remember which one was which, but it was hope for our brokenness. And it was talking about mental and emotional health. And that one was so good as well. It was talking about, um, healthy relationships, coping mechanisms and healthy community. And, you know, when I was talking about, um, going to a Christian conference. That's something that we need is a healthy community. Um, and then, um, 
choice fatigue was interesting too. It says it makes you feel cool to make your own identity and choices, values, morals, path, etc. But being completely independent for life is exhausting and will not work. You were designed. You are not designed to be independent. You are meant for community. So that means that the community that you choose, you need to be very choosing and find a group that supports you and shares the same belief. I really liked that part of it. I wrote that down. So, <laughs> and I hope that sounded okay because it makes sense to me. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, so, Dean, anything else we should talk about before we jump into kind of the speaker and some of the things that she said? Um, I think if we talked about it, <clears throat> it would uh, probably take the whole podcast time. So, oh, okay. Why don't we go ahead and, and move on? We'll make that one a podcast of itself. Well, um, so starting on Luke chapter 10, verse 23, I think we should backtrack just a second for uh, what the heading says. Sure. Uh, 23. Sure. So somebody read that. I'm not going to. I can if you want me to. Go for it. <laughs> I don't read. <laughs> <laughs> so it says Luke 10, starting in verse 25, right? 23. 23, okay. It's funny, in my Bible, now, let's just talk about this for a second. That's funny. In my Bible, the heading for the Good Samaritan story starts in verse 25. In your Bible. No, mine does too. Oh, it does? Yeah, I backed it up just for, because it kind of starts in the middle of a sentence, the heading does. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, so Dana starts. So another thing that one of the speakers talked about was that headings in our Bible are not actually... They're not inspired. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were <laughs> added much later. Um, they're to help you find things quicker um, to me. Like, just because yeah. you know, we was looking for the Good Samaritan. So you're looking through the headings yeah. to, to hone down the the, par- the paragraph you're looking for. Yeah. Verse mm-hmm. and chapter numbers, by the way, are the same thing. So if you ever get a chance to read the Bible without those, you should do it because it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So starting in verse 23. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, 
take care of him and whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Yep. So I feel like we have to start off by saying that um, all of this next part was a takeaway from the speaker. Her name was Destiny Dees. Uh, she was so, so good. Um, but all of this next part kind of came from her. And so in the um, in the, the SALT conference that we were at, the main theme of the whole week, as we talked about earlier, was stories. And so she talked about how our stories shape the way that we view the world. It shapes the way that we see ourselves. Our stories are our identity. And Jesus dealt in stories. And so he often told stories to his disciples to help them kind of have a frame of reference for the things that were happening around them. Well, in this case, um, Jesus doesn't just, isn't just talking to his disciples. He is actually more talking to a group of religious leaders. They are known as, uh, well, in this case, it says an expert of the law. Um, so he probably had, you know, these these people, these scribes, maybe. Um, he could have had some Sadducees and Pharisees there. Who knows? They were religious leaders. And so it says an expert in the law stood up to test him. And he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so he says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And this this guy who is an expert in the law um, actually makes a very profound statement. We always give um, the, the Pharisees, Sadducees, all those people a hard time. But not all of them um, were uh, pieces Stup- of junk, right? Stupid sheep. Yeah, not all of them were stupid <laughs> sheep. Some of them kind of had a little bit of an idea of what's going on. And this guy kind of does too. He says... Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you, uh, now I'm reading out of the CSB, um, but Jesus says, you have answered correctly. And so this guy, he was on it. He knew what he was talking about, right? What do you got? You know, it, it, my, my big takeaway from the whole thing, and I know that it's, we'll dive deeper to what the speaker said, mm-hmm. uh, is that right here, he says, you have answered correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that guy goes on to say, you know, or Jesus goes on to say, what does it say? Uh, Do this and you will live. But he, designed to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. So he doesn't ask. He, the original question is eternal life. He's yeah. not, so that he doesn't turn around and re-answer uh, about salvation. He mm-hmm. says, well, who's my neighbor? Yeah. So it, Jesus is kind of like the the whole story kind of shifts mm-hmm. in a way, and I think that's odd, uh, but it's profound. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting that he seeks to justify himself, right? right? And how often do we do that? That was one of the things that she talked about um, in stories uh, in the Bible. You know, there are lots of, of biblical principles on how to to read and interpret those stories. Um, one of the things that that she talked about was make a list of the characters and see who's in there, right? Because we often, as um, just people, want to insert ourselves somewhere in the story, right? Um, often in America, at least, we like to insert ourselves as the hero of the story. So we kind of put ourselves in the Jesus place, or we put ourselves in this case, like as in the the place of the Samaritan, right? Um, and when you, when you look at this story, it's about this guy who gets robbed and there's, um, this guy who comes along to help him. And there are these other two guys who don't, 
um, you know, it, it, if you take it at face value, you know, which I've done many times, I look at this story and I go, you know what? Jesus is telling me that I need to be sympathetic. But there's so much more to it than that. And so, yeah, this guy, he says, hey, seeking to justify himself, he says, hey, who is my neighbor? Um, and then Jesus, he uh, very much corrects that in a story. And so um, I guess the first part there is, who do you want to be um, in this story? Obviously, we want to be like Jesus. Um, so to justify ourselves is the wrong thing to do. Yet, at least for me, I find myself doing that so often. And so he continues, Jesus says, uh, it says, Jesus took up the question in the CSB. I kind of like how it says that. And said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. In, uh, in the NLT, um, which is the, the translation that she was preaching out of, and yes, the NLT, I like it. I have no problem with it. A lot of people are like, the NLT, nobody <laughs> reads that. Um, but it says, they left him half dead beside the road. Um, kind of left him in a ditch, right? Um, and so it says a priest happened to be going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so in Jewish days, the Jewish people would have been like, oh, this man was beaten up. Oh, hey, here comes a priest. And you're thinking, hey, here's the hero of the story. Here's this religious guy. He's coming. Well, when he sees him, he passes by on the other side. And she made a couple of very good points. She said, you know, if you think about it, she said this priest, he, he was probably on his way to go do something holy, right? He was on his way to go, you know, talk about the law and, you know, teach people and do all the stuff because that's typically what priests did. Yeah, and just reading my, like, just the commentary in the study Bible, mm -hmm. going down in Jewish, like, historical text from this the, this road that Jesus is, was referencing, yeah. if, if a priest was going down the road, he was going down a road linking Jerusalem and Jericho May, may mean traveling away from Jerusalem and his temple, like he just left the temple. Oh, okay. So this priest just got done doing... Temple stuff. Temple stuff. Yeah. And... He gets so caught up in the hustle bustle. Yeah. Well, and then too, this was um, a road that people didn't travel by themselves on. Yeah, because um, you correct? knew you get attacked. So, yeah. So this dude being by himself, all beat up, the priest probably looked at him and was like, "Well, you're a dummy." Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, only idiots traveled on this road all by themselves. Or she actually—I don't know if you wrote this down, but she made a good point later. She said that if you think about it, why? On earth, if you knew you would get beat up, would you travel down this road by yourself? Could be because he was up to no good. We don't know. You know, the priest might have looked at him and been like, well, you probably deserved to get beat up because you were probably sinning, right? Um, and so he passes by on the other side and keeps walking along. And so it begs the question again, who do you want to be in the story? Do you want to be the guy who judges people based on your snap judgment of somebody? Now, to be fair, we have judged people for years. Uh, yeah, I say that. <laughs> to be fair, the human race has judged situations on, in a snap moment for years as a survival mechanism. You know, people are like, why would you look at me and, and, and you know, just make a snap judgment about me? Well, we've been doing that as a survival instinct for a long time. And I get, I get the fact that this priest looks at the guy and maybe sees a trap or maybe sees whatever and walks by. But do you in your heart want to be the person who judges whoever just based on circumstance? And the answer is no, right? Mm -hmm. 
So it goes on. And it says, in the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now, the Levite was the temple worker. The Levite is the guy who was in charge of the sacrifices and was in charge of, um, in some ways, he was like the gatekeeper to atonement, right? He was the guy who, you would go to the temple, you're met by a Levite. You would bring a sacrifice. The Levite, a, a Levite, would take that sacrifice and sacrifice it for you. He would take you through all the religious rites so that you could be purified. Yeah, this is a very educated man, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the one that collected tithes yeah. from the people. Yeah. So he would be the one you would expect, really, to help of anybody. an Israelite yeah. in need. Yeah, probably. So... Dun, dun, dun. Nothing happens, right? <laughs> Levite doesn't do nothing. Priest doesn't do nothing. Yeah, Levite's just walking down the road with his AirPods in, yep. not <laughs> paying attention. Yep. And and you know, like you could make you could justify it in any way you want to. Maybe the Levite was tired. Maybe he had just come from the temple and had been sacrificing animals all day and collecting tithes and doing all this stuff. Again, religious guy doing religious things, not looking at the man who needs help. So we talk about how it's not good to walk on this road alone. Mm -hmm. Did these people have a group of people with them? Doesn't say that they do. That is interesting. Never thought about that. Hmm. Is there more? Do you have more? Well, I was just thinking that like if they had a posse with them. A posse? (laughs) (laughs) They had their entourage. (laughs) But, you know, they could have stopped and helped this person because they had a whole group of people with them. Yeah, potentially. You know, yeah. and they could have helped this person. Yeah. Somebody surely could have. You would have thought. But nope, not a priest and not a temple worker, a Samaritan. Well, Jesus is holding, the, holding them in the parable story mm-hmm. accountable right. for their mm-hmm. actions. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if they had people with them or not. Right. You should have still done the right thing. Yeah. And in both of these cases, if you're a teacher of the law, you're going, that's the guy that's the guy that's going to help. And then he walks that's on That's the by. leader guy. And so if you're this guy, put yourself in the place of the person who asked the original question, who is my neighbor? It says, seeking to justify himself, he asks, who is my neighbor? So if you hear Jesus up to this point, you're like, oh, obviously not this guy who got beat up because the, the really religious people don't help him. So let's see what the next part of this is, right? That's what he would have been saying. And so... Verse 33, it says, but a Samaritan on his journey came up to him. Now, we call this story the parable of the Good Samaritan. We have hospitals that are named the Good Samaritan. Do you see the word good there? Hmm. It's interesting that in the NLT, it actually calls him a despised Samaritan. And contextually, the way that the Greek reads, you could make that argument. When it says, but a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, this is not a person that they would have liked, right? Yeah, Jesus took the villain of their story and made the villain a hero. Yeah. Yeah, and R.C. Sproul says that a Jewish person using the word Samaritan was a slur. You see that in John chapter 4, that it's just, this was not something that they would have said lightly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, they so Samaritan people, if you look back at the history of them, and this is just my, my best understanding, for, but from what I've seen, the Samaritans were compromisers. Um, the Jewish people would have even gone so far as to call them half-breeds. When you look back at Samaritans, they would have been people who 
Originally, you had the nation of Israel. It was all one unified kingdom. Then the nation of Israel, after Solomon, who was the dumbest smart guy in the Bible, um, <laughs> the, the nation really splits into two separate sections. You have the section of Judah and the southern kingdom, and then you have the section of the rest of Israel, and their capital was Samaria in the northern kingdom. And in Samaria, they really heavily worshipped idols. Now, the nation of Judah and that southern kingdom, they weren't all any better off, honestly. If you if you read through um, the book of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, you see plenty of times when they're worshipping pagan idols just as much as the rest of the nation was. But who was conquered first? Samaria and the northern kingdom, right, by Babylon. Um, when you see religious reform take place in the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, you mostly see it in Judah and Jerusalem and those places. And so for Samaria and the Samaritans, one of the reasons why the Jewish people looked down on the Samaritans so much was because they intermarried with people from outside of the Jewish um, nation. They would have been people who... Um, they lost their lineage in Babylon. So when um, the Jewish nation is conquered by the nation of Babylon, everybody's taken off as, as judgment, according to the Bible, um, to the land of Babylon. And there's just a very few, um, basically nobody's left just to kind of care for the land. The people who came back and had no heritage, they couldn't trace their lineage back to a pure Jewish line, lived in Samaria. And so... The Samaritans were half-breeds. They were compromisers. They were people who didn't have the true religion. They had not kept the true religion. These were people who, when Jesus says, but a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, everybody would have been like, oh, no. Hmm. This man must really be bad because the Samaritan's coming to finish him off. Yeah, this thug. Yeah. They'd have been like, here he comes. It's going to happen. It, we're going to see this Samaritan kill him, and he's going to take whatever he had left, and he's going to slit the guy's throat. Right? It would have been awful. But not Jesus. Jesus is but a Samaritan. And in the NLT, a despised Samaritan. On his journey, came up to him. And when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. And then Jesus says this. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. And then Jesus told him, go and do the same. Uh, yeah, and that currency would have paid for that man's room and board for several days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good chunk of change. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> let's go back to the question that I'd asked earlier. Who do you want to be in the story? Do you want to be the priest, the guy who sees the guy and, you know, he's on his way to or from religious duties and teaching the, the law and teaching the stuff so he doesn't really have time to soil his garments with this guy who's beat up on the side of the road. Or do you want to be the temple worker who even this man's very presence could make him unclean potentially. And so you can't do that, right? Because your, your religious things that you're doing are too important. You know, the work for God is more important than the people of God. Ooh, I don't want to be that guy, even though I'm a worker, right? Who are you in the story? That's the question. Dina, what did our speaker say about that? About like who you want to be in the story? Who, no, who are we? <clears throat> who are we? Who are we? She, she We're made, supposed to be she, the innkeeper. Well, she likened us to two different kind of people. 
Who was the first group? Who are we in, in the first place? Oh, can I guess? <laughs> sure. I wasn't there. Yeah. Well, there's either three thoughts come to mind. Uh huh. We're either supposed to be the Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or we're supposed to be the innkeeper, because mm-hmm. I think I heard you all over talk about that. Mm-hmm. Or we're the dude beaten up in the ditch. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we're the person <clears throat> who's beaten up in the ditch, we are someone who is in need of a savior. Yeah. We don't need lectures. We need saviors. Right. And that's that, that preaches right there. Think about us for a minute. I mean, honestly, think about us. And are we not stupid cheap at times? We talk about that all the time, right? Are we not people who would wander off by ourselves down a road where we know we're going to get beat up? Just watch any scary movie. The person who wanders off to Ben is sitting in the middle of salt, and she says that, and he's like, stupid sheep. The first thing I thought was, stupid sheep. But you know that's so true. And something else that she said, too, was that sometimes we think that Jesus is like us, that he saved us to judge us. To to judge us. I don't know why I slurred that together. But anyway. And she also went on to say, Jesus took our sin at the cross, so he knows what it feels like, and he knows um, because he carried it, because Jesus is the good Samaritan, and we need to be Samaritans too. Yeah, so in the story, and and I, I particularly like the NLT here, because it talks about the fact, the Bible does over and over again, that Jesus was lowly and despised. And in the story, it, say, it points out the fact that the Samaritan is the despised Samaritan. Now, in the CSB, for instance, it doesn't have the word despised there, but it is very much implied, right? And historically, he was very much despised. And, and our speaker, she made the point that Jesus likely is the one who is the Samaritan, right? Mm. That Jesus would have been making that point of himself, whether we realize it or not. Because if you think about it, I'm not the one who saves people. I can, I can pastor, I can teach, I can do the work of the temple, I can do all this stuff, but I can't save anybody. The Bible actually says that some plant, some water, sure, but God's the one who gives the increase. And so what that means is he's the one who leads us to repentance. And so does that mean that I have no part to play? No, but it does mean that I need a savior, number one. If I don't have a savior, I have no hope in this world. And thanks be to God who is who sent the Samaritan, the one who was despised and yet was so good that he would see us and have compassion on us, which Jesus, it says Jesus had compassion on people over and over and over again. We are not the Samaritan by nature though. We are the one that's in the ditch. We are the one who's beaten up and we need a savior. And another, I think they called it foreshadowing. I don't know if that's the right word or not, Mm -hmm. but whenever the, um, Samaritan gives the innkeeper money, says, um, here's a down payment, mm-hmm. but I'll come back and pay the rest. Yeah. What is our down payment in this life? It's the Holy Spirit. And so <clears throat> we don't give down payments, right? Jesus does. God gives us a down payment in the Holy Spirit that once we are saved, he gives us this down payment. And yes, he comes to pay our penalty. And so there is a second application for us in the story. And yes, Hunter, you were correct. It is the innkeeper. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I never, never had thought about the innkeeper in the story before Salt. So I guess I would see it as once you are not the man beaten up in the ditch, you were supposed to act as the innkeeper. Yeah. That you were supposed to be the one who takes people in and helping them with the down payment of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. At the command of, of the Savior. Right we are to take in these people. And it's funny. 
Jesus is the one who pays and Jesus is the one who will keep paying. We don't, it, it actually talks about, if you look here, it says uh, the, you know, the Samaritan, he sees the guy, he went over to him, he bandages his wounds, he takes him um, to the inn and he takes care of him. And then it says the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Speaker pointed out something really important there. It will cost us something in this life to care for the people that Jesus brings mm -hmm. to us. But notice that the, the man can't do anything. The ditch dweller can do nothing for himself. This man who's beaten up, he's been robbed. That means he has nothing. When we take care of people, it will cost us something, and we cannot expect anything in return. You know, <clears throat> we was at the church the other day. Well, I was at the church the other day. <clears throat> Every Tuesday night, we've started taking in um, home, the homeless in the winter months to feed and shelter them on Tuesday nights. Yep. Uh, Matthew, one of our um, great people there. I think he calls himself staff adjacent, uh, um, was Sounds there and he came up to me really concerned. Mm. And he said, I need to talk to you on the behalf of like you and Ben and everybody else. And mm. I was like, okay. And he was like, cause Matthew does a lot of our like, uh, liturgies and things like that. He's just very well spoken, mm. uh, grew up Lutheran. So he knows a lot of these elegant prayers and stuff. So, um, we give him, we give him a lot of opportunities to do that because mm -hmm. I don't pray that well. And he's super good at it. <laughs> yeah, and he's a, and he's inner, he's funny. He's just, yeah, yeah, the man's awesome. So he said, I don't want to feel like I am taking ministry off time away from the pastors because I'm not a pastor of the church. And I looked at him the same way you're looking at me. Mm. I said, Matthew, that's not ministry. This is the ministry. You're mm. not taking any ministry away from me. Yeah. I said, honestly, I'm giving a microphone reluctantly. <laughs> so you, anytime you take out the microphone spot, I'm happy with. Right. But that's what the church is mistaken. The ministry is not with the microphone. Yeah. The ministry is what we're doing on that Tuesday night. Yeah. So as long as you just tell me not to get out <laughs> tonight, yeah. you're not taking anything away from me. Yeah. So that's the point. Yeah. One of your favorite books, Ephesians, talks about that, right? Um, you know, it talks about the fivefold ministry and how it's mm -hmm. given to us to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So actually, pastors, it doesn't actually say that we do ministry. It says right. that the people do. Um, and I think, man, whether ruffles and feathers, uh, <laughs> what podcast do, I don't, <laughs> I think pastors lose touch. Oh, yeah. 100%. Right. I mean, I think that they they get comfy in mm -hmm. their offices and their chairs and their pulpit, and they they don't know what it's like. And that's what I think is so nice about us working in other other jobs, being on EKU's campus, um, not being strictly in the pulpit, is that we get to realize how the world operates. Well, and I would say that I get too comfy. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call out my my pastoral brethren and not take some blame myself. Well, no, I think we all like I, I get comfy. Well, I think know. we all get comfy and like, you know, take us take me to Africa. I'd be out of my comfort zone, right? Because mm -hmm. you're starting to see the world. Go take put me on the street right corner like Alex Kennedy, right? I'd be out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but I think that the people who solely are just eyes on the Bible. My door locked in for my protection. <laughs> uh, but I think that just a lot of pastors are just so focused and they study buku's amount of time. And then they sit in there, just, they, that's all they do for work. 
and they, they just don't get in touch with how depraved the world actually is. Mm. They're, they're dealing with church people all the time, and they're dealing with themselves studying, and which is great. There's a point and a place for that, mm. but they don't get much outside opportunity, and I think they get lost in the hustle and bustle of the ministry, mm. where what I'm saying about that is, is that us working other jobs, we get to actually see people operate day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. So, and we get to minister to people like that. Now, of course we get too comfy in our workspaces and we get too comfy in the church pews and too comfy sitting in a podcast setting. Right. Um, but there's more that we could always do. Mm -hmm. But the, the thing is, is don't be complacent. If you're saying, man, I don't think I've shared the gospel I've talked about Jesus to church people in the last year. Well, 2023 is the year that you go out and take the gospel to people who don't know the gospel. Mm-hmm. That Listen, God called us to do this. It's not the people with the, with the microphone at the church. It's not the people who take the offering at the church. It's not any of these people. Um, it is you, well, we're all called to go and, and spread the gospel to all of creation. Mm-hmm. So have you done that? Because if not... You're committing a sin of disobedience because you're not being obedient to the command Christ gave us. Yeah, it's like everybody's so worried about focusing on, well, I, I better not drink too much alcohol, right? Because the Bible says that's bad. I better not gain too much weight or eat too much because that's gluttony. That's bad. But nobody cares <laughs> about not sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what Jesus directly told us to do this, and you're hindering other people's salvation because you're not sharing the gospel. I think my takeaway from that, from what you just said is, you know, they don't have the opportunity to do it because they're trying to please, like you said, everybody else to try to do all the other things so that church can essentially function because they care about the people at their church. Well, y'all need to stop whining and complaining (laughs) so the pastor can go out there and talk to some people because all of the pastors that I respect at some point I've heard them say something, you know, I almost wish that I could quit doing this job so that I could go talk to people mm-hmm. because I miss that. You know what I think is a great about our church though, is that it's not just one pastor. You know, we have five pastors mm-hmm. who help run the church and it's about to get even more so in 2023. Well, and we're not that big. I'd like to point that out too. Like, true. you know, a lot of people are like, oh, five pastors, that must mean you have thousands and thousands <laughs> of people. Well, not really. We um, have like 120. Yeah, but the the whole point we're is... We're just randomly blessed. <laughs> well, and two though, I mean, Pastor Chris saw the need, right? Yeah. And he's going, mm-hmm. hey, I'm wore out all by myself doing this thing. I need help. Well, and, and he surrounded himself with elder, is what we call an elder. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is that we, we share the workload so that we can get things actually done. One guy trying to do everything. I'm not trying to hate on pastors. Don't get me wrong. If you're listening to hate, you're like, man, Hunter just called every pastor out that's behind <laughs> the pulpit. No, man. Everybody thinks they only work two days a week, mm-hmm. and that's not the case. Yeah. Pastors do not only work two days a week. We've all got phone calls in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and woken up out of bed, having to go to the hospital. We, we've all had to do this. Take mm-hmm. time away from our family, families. I was just talking to you about that today. Yeah. Uh, I had to sacrifice a pastoral event this week yeah. to spend time with my wife because... We just don't do it enough. Yeah. And she sacrifices more of my of time of me than I will ever realize. Mm-hmm. So that, that there's sacrifices that pastors give. Um, but having help is definitely 
um, something that they need. Right. So if you're a pastor out there and you don't have help, find help. Mm -hmm. I will say one of the best things that happened to me this past semester was we were doing, we were doing small groups, we were doing whole group and I was preaching every week in whole group and I was so tired and man, I just felt so spiritually attacked and I, and I was, I mean, I was doing all the things that, you know, everybody's like, well, if you're spiritually attacked, you know, you got to make sure you're doing the spiritual disciplines, right? You're, you're reading the word, you're praying, you're doing all this stuff. I was doing all that. And I was, and I mean, I was adding it into my, like my mornings were starting that way. My evenings were ending that way. I had at some points, like I had two hours of, you know, time with Jesus a day and I'm still feeling like just exhausted, like spiritually attacked. And, um, we, we ended up taking the small groups at one point and putting them together because one of our leaders, um, you know, went through some, uh, a loss in their family. Um, and so we just took the small groups and we put them together, right? It was just one of those things that we did for a while. And it was so cool because in the small groups, when we put them together, it wasn't just me leading. It was Dina leading. And it was some of our students leading and teaching. Yeah, some of the students saw the need that we were not necessarily getting burnt out, but... We're just, we we're just, just tired and whooped, you yeah, know? Yeah, there was a lot of things getting thrown at us yeah. all in, you know, of a sudden. And they were like, how can we help? You yeah. know how we can help? We can help lead. Yeah, and they, they taught our small group. And they did fantastic. Church, and that's what people need to realize. These church leaders get beat up. I mean, even before I, I was a pastor, mm. you, I mean, you do a lot. You're, mm. I mean, there every time the doors open, you're helping with the youth ministry, you're doing whatever, yeah. right? And you're like... Well, and it was refreshing for me to have help. And they did such a good job. Like, really? It's not that, like, I didn't think they'd do a good job, but I mean, it was over and above my expectation. Right. Like, they did such a good job. One of my guys, um, he is he is quiet. He, he's not quite quiet, but he's quiet enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like we've talked about things, read the entire book of Job to prepare. For his his talk that he was giving, we were talking about the fruits of the spirit. Read the entire forty some chapters of the book of Job, so that he could talk about. I think it was perseverance, if I'm not mistaken. He did such a good job, like, and it was it was spiritually refreshing for me, and it built his faith at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, every one of, one of the leaders did that too. Yeah, one of our girls shared something that I'm surprised she shared about just struggles that her and her family had gone through yeah, that was very transparent yeah. you know very personal and I was like wow like how many freshman girls could be brave enough to say this to a group of like 15 people yeah so yeah. pastors if you're out there and you're wore out man go second Timothy 2 2 talks about it talks about how we need to find people who are faithful who are able to teach as well and empower them and have them help, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, find faithful men who are able to teach others also is what that verse says. Do that. It will be so spiritually refreshing for you. It'll build your faith because you'll see the fruit of all the stuff that you've been pouring into people with. It'll give somebody a job, which makes them more apt to come back. And I promise you, they will exceed your expectations. Well, that's the thing too, is that pastors first off have to want to have help. They, yeah, some of true. them want to do, do everything by themselves. Mm-hmm. And we got to change that mentality. Church is not something, it's not a show. Mm-hmm. I don't come here just to listen to you talk. Um, I come here to work 
Mm-hmm. I come here to, I mean, build, to build, like you said, the pastor's job is to equip people of the ministry. Well, that's giving people opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, our pastor has done great by giving me opportunity, especially when I didn't deserve an opportunity. Mm. You all listen to this podcast. You know how dangerous it is when I get a microphone. Like <laughs> it can be, it can be yep. a scary thing, yep. but we do that to a lot of people. We give them opportunities. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can correct doctrine later. You right. Know? Well, and, and I mean, Thanks be to God for, you know, I'm called to be a pastor like in college. And thanks be to God for the people who gave me a chance to, right. to take advantage and do that thing. I was know? a 17-year-old well, teenager. Right. I mean, you know, nobody in their right mind would have gave me a chance. Yep. But somebody did. Yeah. I preached my first sermon at 19. Well, and a good leader is going to create people that are 100 times better than them. Yeah. You know, and so I tell our college students all the time, I want you to be a hundred times better than I am when you leave here. Mm -hmm. Like you should be better than I am. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Leadership has uh, no pride. Yeah. Yeah. No good leader ever goes, I hope that they flop when they take over for me. Right. No. And there's a part of, I think everybody who's kind of like, you know, I want to feel valued in the sense. So I want people to miss me. Mm-hmm. in the pulpit or whatever or in the job that I do I want people to miss me if I'm not there mm-hmm. that's not the case man I want people to if, I want the people who I've built around me to overly succeed so if I ever have to quit one day <laughs> <laughs> or if I get hit by a bus yeah, or, or, or if, yeah but they these people need to be able to share the gospel just as well as I can yeah or build people up just as well as I can well and, and if not better yeah Jesus says like if you don't bear spiritual fruit I will cut your branch off and burn it in the fire like you need to be able to do that. <laughs> so um, it's book of John. I baby. think that sometimes people too they want to be a pastor because it's the person up front and it's the person that everybody thinks that you know is the star of the show. Mm. But you don't go in to be a pastor to get affirmation and praise all the time because you're going to be really upset. In about I was about to say two most weeks. of the time. <laughs> most of the time, I would assume. Or, well, I don't assume. Most of the time, you don't get praise. Yeah, uh, you get. Pooped on. <laughs> well, well and, and you shouldn't be trying to surround your people. Like, well, I mean, you want people who are positive and stuff like that. But if you're constantly seeking that, like, that yes affirmation ma'am. and praise all the time, and you have to have a million of things of that and thank you cards and gift cards and blah, 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 like, you're going to be really hurt one day. Yeah. Well, and, and Jesus even said, like, because you should be putting all of that in Jesus. Yeah. Well, Jesus even said, like, if you follow me, you're going to be rejected and despised by men. It's going to happen. And it's not about me. Like, it's that's not. the point. Yeah. If that's, that's why we set, I, we realistically set the expectations so low for this podcast because it's not about anything that I do. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I have no talent. Mm-hmm. You know, any talent that I have or anybody thinks that I have, it comes straight from God. Mm-hmm. So, if one people listens to it, great. Mm-hmm. Well, now we have over a thousand. I mean, can we have over one thousand one hundred people? Well, well, listens, download, not people. Well, download, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Our cool. goal is like fifty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be fifty people that listen to it eleven hundred times. Well, I don't care. But just the point is, it doesn't matter. Like God did some cool stuff with that, right? And it's, and it's continued. But the goal is cool fifty. Stuff. Yeah. So by like the end of the year. Yeah. So it's it's just cool. Yeah, it is. But cool. and back to the Luke ten, I, I think. Um, if you have read it your entire life, that mm-hmm. you are the Samaritan, right? I don't think that's necessarily wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can look at it from that point of view. I think that we're just trying to say is that there is 
other angles to look from the store that you probably have never looked at. Well, and and the and the the innkeeper side of it, if we are called to be innkeepers, um, what happens with the innkeeper? It says that um, Jesus is going to give us money to take care of people, right? Like he's going to give us the promised Holy Spirit, the down payment, all this stuff, right? Um, and then it says the man doesn't give us anything. So like the people we take care of, again, shouldn't be the one who gives us our affirmation and our payment, quote unquote. It says who? When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. So where does our reward come from? It doesn't come from the people we take care of. It comes from the one who's coming back, which is Jesus. Yeah, and I think that R.C. Sproul just rounds this off really well. Um, I pulled out my Reform Study Bible, so that's why his commentary is here. Uh, he says, Jesus has reversed the lawyer's question. The issue is not the, limit, uh, is not the limits on one's obligation, uh, but the wide extent on the one's opportunity mm-hmm. to be generous to their neighbor. Yeah. So it's not, he's not limiting it. That's what the question originally did. He, he wanted it limited. Mm-hmm. Who is my neighbor? Jesus reversed the question and extended his, the opportunity. He said, I'm not limiting anything. Your, your neighbor's everybody. So I'm extending it. Mm-hmm. Everything is an opportunity. So which one are you going to be? And I'm going to give you a scenario. <laughs> so that, and that, I think that's really a good way to round it off. You know, mm-hmm. don't, Christ didn't limit the question. He yeah. extended the question. Right. He does that with about everything. With about everything. And he, and he always points out the fact that ministry is not about the work of the ministry. It's about the people of the ministry. Right. If you're a pastor out there and you've lost your love for the people, it's time to revisit the Lord and say, Lord, Give me a love for your people because that is what ministry is about. And that's where conferences come in play. Again, yeah. it, it does, it's a refueling. Um, so I think that there's there's tools out here to help people refocus on this. We just got to really hone in on them. Mm-hmm. And something I think that's still a stigma is, oh my gosh, I'm having a hard time, but I, I can't go talk to anybody because they're going to look down on me. Mm-hmm. Why is that? This is 2023 now, people. Like, yeah. if you need help, yeah, go find somebody. Yeah. Counseling is okay. You know, yeah. And church is this place that we go and we put our mask on that everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to say this often, that if I can go cheer at a football game, I should be able to come cheer in church, which mm-hmm. the, the principle holds true, <laughs> yeah, right? It does. If I can get excited while coaching football, as you have heard some stories, I should be able to get excited in helping people towards Christ. Yeah. Are you going to bring your foam finger on Sunday? <laughs> I don't have a foam finger. I need oh, one. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Woo-hoo. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, be cool <laughs> if I had a cross on the end of it and said Jesus on. <laughs> Number one fan. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so I've stopped saying that mm. because I go to, f- some people go to f- sporting events and, and movies and things like that to block mm-hmm. what happens in real life. Mm. Uh, they, 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 they don't remember or they want to get away from real life. Well, they go to church to face their problems, mm. to be, to meet the one who can solve all their problems. So they may not be happy and cheering and getting excited for God, but they may be humbling themselves and getting on their knees and weeping before God to the holy God saying that I've sinned or mm. that my what life is falling apart or mm. whatever. So I've stopped saying that because that really, I've really started thinking about that. That's interesting. That's going to tie in well with our bust out your Bibles with Ben. Oh, okay. Can we jump ahead to a segment that sure. we have next? 
bust out your Bibles with Ben. All right. So now that we've <laughs> so perfectly he was so excited. segued into this topic, let's talk about something. What does John 1, 1 say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Question. What word is the word word in the Greek language? Does anybody know? I barely speak English, man. <laughs> oh, come on. Man. <laughs> so the word word in the Greek language is the word logos. Guess what logos means? Logo. No. A picture. <laughs> no. It is, it, is, it, it is the word word, but... If you studied some of the ancient Greek philosophers like Aristotle and some of those people, the word logos was actually more than just words. It was the area of your brain where words lived. It's the area of your brain where words came out of. And it's the area of your brain where they would say, if you, because they were philosophers, if you studied language and words and then meditated, meditated on that and used that area of your brain, it was a way to transcend the world. The interesting thing about that is John, some scholars would argue, knew that that was the case because John was one of the last Gospels written. It would have been written about 80 years or so after the life of Jesus. John would have been an old man. He had been getting ready to die. And so he would have written after already having encountered Greek philosophers, for instance, who talked about the fact that there is only one way to transcend the world, and that is through the Logos. And so in the beginning was the Logos, the way to transcend the world. So Hunter, you were talking about the fact that people go to sporting events to escape from their problems, and we go to the church to confront our problems. Do you know what John may have been saying when he wrote John chapter 1, verse 1? Jesus is the way to transcend the world, to fight, escape from, and beat the problems of the world, and one day go to be with the only true God. Hmm. Good stuff. You might go to fiction to escape reality, but you're literally going to have to face it. Uh, oh, that's true. Yep, you got it. You boom, know, boom. boom. Church, church is you know, you've, it's a very popular thing is the hospital for the broken mm. or hospital for sinners. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I hear pastors say that all the time, and I understand the principle of saying. If you can cheer at the UK game last night or the, today, which we lost by like thirty points, so it yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot lately. Uh, but <laughs> well, when all your good players don't play the last game, hmm, wonder why that happens. Yeah. All right, bring it back. Yeah, sorry. Um, but you got to, you know, you can cheer at these things. I, I mean, you hear pastors say that all the time. You just got to really remember what people go through, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's what I like about our church is that I don't often see people wearing a mask, you know, not, not COVID masks, but <laughs> emo- emotional masks. You know, we call ourselves real life community church and <clears throat> it is a real, I see real people um, with real problems coming for a real solution. Yeah. Like, and that is what amazes me about our church. Right. Um, and there's tons of churches around the world that do that. And I, and I think it's becoming more real. People are desiring real. Um, like you said, those those college students, you know why college students are awesome is because young people now more than ever are stupid. But second, <laughs> but second, wow. But second, they are designed. They desire truth. 
That's true. They they they're getting tired of those fog machines. They're getting tired of the the laser shows. They're getting tired of the just the rock music that's coming from some of these churches. Mm-hmm. But they're desiring Bible preaching churches. I would argue that that's not stupid. I'm just saying in general, those people that age are stupid. I'm that age, so I can say that. They want uh, something that's yeah, real. They don't want something fake. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. That's what I'm saying, that these these people are just wanting to desire the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, so that, that is that is the thing. And, and that's more than any other time, this generation especially, you see that they're, they're just wanting to know what the truth is. That's why you see them, I think, dive into so many different things. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're looking at everything, yep. you know. Um, in a sense, it's commendable. Mm-hmm. You're, you're searching for the truth. Yeah. And I just hope you land on the truth. Yeah. Um, which I think it will hopefully penetrate their hearts. Mm-hmm. I think one of the best way to minister to college students is to be a real Christian on more than just Sunday mm-hmm. because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for people that are real, that can live the Christian life, from Sunday to Sunday, from January 1st to the next January 1st. Well, fun fact, real Christians do, <laughs> are real Christians on every day after Sunday. Mm. So fake Christians are only Christians on Sunday. Yep. That, that, that's another podcast for another time <laughs> it because is. I could go on forever about that. So last 10%. Dina, what are your takeaways? Um, so my takeaway from this is salt is awesome. Number one. So (laughs) if you want to help bless a college student, sponsor our student to go to salt. Um, but no, what? Ben hit a button on that thing. I I I was waiting for applause. I know. I was like, what is he doing? Like, (laughs) I was moving my mic, (laughs) y'all. Um, but just that. We need to have our hearts open to people and not be expecting gifts or praise or anything like that for the things that we do, that we should help other people because we want to help other people. Mm, That's good. Hunter, last 10%. Um, I think that, yeah, the the two things for me, so 5% for each, (laughs) um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's late. <laughs> um, At least he can math. Yeah, yeah, true. Is that I'm just a beaten up, lonely person without a savior. Um, so and I, we were all there. As you said, the book of Ephesians says, we were all needing a savior. And then whenever I do encounter my savior and I've been redeemed, I hope that I am willing to take just like the innkeeper took. Um, I want to be open and not turn people away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, last 10% for me, the takeaways. Number one, um, the only place that you, Christian leader, can get um, the payment, quote unquote, the reward from any of this is from Jesus. If we're caring for the sick, it's going to hurt and it's going to take time and it's going to cost us things. And we're going to see people walk out the the door of the inn and never come back. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see people who may not necessarily appreciate the things that we've done, but one day the innkeeper comes back. I'm sorry. I back. I, I messed that up. One day the master comes back and rewards the innkeeper. And that is the only reward that is, um, is a thing, right? That's the only one we should seek in the first place. 
the other thing for me, um, leader, if you're tired and you're burnout and, uh, you just, you, you just, you just can't do it. I totally get it. I've been there. Um, I was there not long ago. Um, I'm afraid I'm going to get right back there soon enough, but here's what I can tell you. Um, I learned through this conference and what's confirmed in my own life was you need help and you need help from your people, the people in your congregations. There are people there who are faithful, um, and willing to help make sure that you let them help because it will not only bless you, it will bless them. You know, and pastors, your your measure of success is not by how many people are sitting in your pews on Sunday morning. It's true. Or how many people attended Easter or Christmas or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, that gripes my gears when they say, well, uh, well, how has church been this year? How, how well have you all done? Uh, well, man, we're doing good, you know. Well, how many people are you running? That's mm-hmm. not the question. That is not the metric of success. You know, it's, it's how many people have you led to Christ? How many people have you baptized? How many people are you discipling? How many mm-hmm. people? What yeah. does Jesus say? What is what is the great commission statement of Matthew to say, 20? He says a lot. But yeah. <laughs> what is, but what does Jesus say is the metric of success? He says, go into all the world and do what? Proclaim the gospel. No. Lies. <laughs> Make disciples. There you go. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. Now, is proclaiming the gospel part of that? Absolutely. That's after. But making disciples is more than just proclaiming the gospel. Making disciples is showing people how to follow Christ. So Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, right? Pastor, the metric is not how many people you have. It's how many people are real disciples of Jesus. You know, we, we always say, uh, well, our church says, I'd much rather have 20 real followers of Jesus than 200 nominal. Surface level. No, even nominal Christians, yeah. you know, like Dina said, are only Christians on Sunday. Yeah. Or 2,000 of those people. Just to make myself feel better, is that, is that all it would be for? Mm-hmm. To, to tell my friends, oh, look, I, I pastor a church of 2,000. Yeah. I'd much rather pastor a church of 20 and barely make my, my mortgage and electric bill every month with that, those faithful 20. Mm-hmm. to then have a fake 2000. Yeah. So, yeah. The good thing about real Christians is that they never stay in a, as a small group. Right. Real Christians grow eventually. It explodes well, because real Christians can't shut up over the Bible. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, I get the J's confused. The prophets is Jeremiah or Joshua. One of them says <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that if I don't, Proclaim the glory of God. My bones will proclaim the glory of God. Like they'll exp- the glory of God will come out. From the word me. is like a fire in my bones. Yeah, it cannot be contained. And I was listening to Tim Mackey preach on that not too long ago. He's gonna find it now because Ben has to always remember I'm, I'm, where it's at. I, I thought it was Ezekiel, but it may have I'm been, man. Wrong. It's it's there. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Tim Mackey preach on that the other day, but that's like you saying those twenty people. Oh yeah, Jeremiah twenty Look verse nine. That. Good job. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those dyslexic <laughs> uh, but those 20 people they cannot shut up about Christ yeah. their bones will literally catch fire right. if they did yeah. well y'all that wraps up another episode of the altered podcast we hope you enjoyed it we hope that you'll tune in next time as we talk about other things but as always the thing that we will always be talking about is honoring God and the things he does so many blessings we'll catch you next time Thank you for listening to the Altered Podcast. Be sure to join us next week for a brand new episode. Also, be sure to join us on the Altered Podcast Facebook page for updates and other cool content. See you next week.